With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Weekend warm-up time on the Sporting Capital right around Australia. 1-300-736-736. The Harcourt's open line is open. We'll get to some ins and outs shortly. A lot of the temper texts flooding on through, but you've got to call me to get a chance to the doughies. Daniel's dozen or the $50 La Cabra voucher. The goat of Melbourne Mexican food. Or, of course, a double pass to see Clipper and Doherty. Have a chat at the Manhattan Hotel. All right. Aaron's been waiting at Sky. Aaron, fire away, man. Thanks for holding. Cam, how are you, mate? Good, my man. I'm excited. Big weekend of footy. It is a massive weekend of footy, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, 1.10 p.m. on Sunday at the Adelaide Oval. I think um, St Kilda's uh, tracked pretty much squared, I think, how we were up until this point last year, um, and pretty similar results. I mean, this year I think our defeats have been had a lot of merit in them, but um, we've shown in, in patches this year that we can we can crack sides open with a quick four or five goals. So we've got that sort of one wood sitting there in our arsenal if we need to pull it. But Adelaide's shown as well that they're just going to run and run and run and they're going to want to break the line. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game on Sunday to see if Adelaide want to try to break through us early with run and if we want to also look to try and respond with that or if Ross will tend to go defensive early to see if we can just sort of temper it a little bit and then do what we did to say Fremantle and then also the Bulldogs in round two and hope that our fitness wins out um, and we can sort of run over the top in the second half because over the last three years as well, we've actually played the Adelaide Oval really, really well. So it's a lot nicer hunting ground for us than what Football Park ever was. Um, so I'm feeling quietly confident. I think Caminiti's a massive in for our forward line as well. No doubt. Just just on what you were talking about, about Ross Lyon and... And, and the way that St Kilda are able to slow the game down and allow the game to come to them. It, it takes other teams out of their rhythm. Fremantle probably since, to be fair, round one have, have proven to be more go slow than taking the game on. But the dogs at different points, when they've played good footy, have been able to really take it on and be aggressive from a defensive 50, which they really, outside of a 15-minute period against St Kilda in round two or round three, we not sure which one it was, but it was earlier in the year. They couldn't do it. So they were able to stifle them, and that's what Ross Lyon's done really well. They're very good uh, defensively, St Kilda. And I know that North Melbourne aren't exactly the major measuring stick in the AFL right now, but even last week, it was ugly. It was very, very ugly, that game. But uh, I think early in the third quarter, North Melbourne, I think he the goal, had it back to a couple of goals or 10 points and had half a sniff. And then it was all snuffed out in about probably a seven or eight minute period when St Kilda were able to use that speed of which you speak of and they play Marvel really well. It happened against Carlton. Happened against Carlton. Stifled, 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 took a lot of confidence from Carlton. And then when the game was there to be won, St Kilda backed themselves in. So uh, I am looking forward to it. It's I, I nearly made it my number one game 
of the weekend because of the fact that both these teams are similar ladder positions. Both would be thinking, you know what? A lot of people didn't think we could make the eight coming in and we've played really good football and you've got to win those games. Those eight-point games are, are doubly as huge. It's still mildly behind Carlton and the Western Bulldogs, mainly because the Blues fans will go into meltdown on Saturday Night Lights right here at SCN if they lose to the Dogs. But uh, it is going to be a good game and two teams that have, have been pretty good to watch this year. Yeah, 100%. My wife's a Carlton supporter, so yeah. I'm hoping that heading into the game on Sunday that the whole house is in a really good mood. Um, but, yeah, but as I said, it'll just be, it'll be a really interesting game because it'll show me the maturity of this group to see whether or not we can do it. And I think if we can get over the hump on Sunday... I think teams really need, and also pundits in the media um, can start taking us seriously as a top four contender. Uh, this is this is the game that it will get this group going. You know what? Instead of going, can we? It'll be a we can, and it's only a little swap of words. But sometimes when you're in this space, changing those words around from can we to we can makes all the difference in confidence in the world. So it's going to be a cracker. I can't wait. And I think, you know, without knowing 100% you're remembering your fixture from last year when you're in a similar spot at the, the middle of the year and, and things were starting to look really rosy, you've beaten teams this year that are around that same mark. Fremantle are probably a little bit below, but, you know, a team like the Western Bulldogs, a team like Carlton, teams that are trying to push from, like, the bottom end of the eight or just outside the eight into the eight, into the top six, or even into the top four. Again, eight-point games, it seems like a massive cliche, but continually beating teams around the same mark gives a team a great deal of confidence and the belief to have the momentum. And, and Max King coming in. Now, Ben King took a little while to get going after missing that, that ACL. He's been good the last probably three weeks. Max King's going to have some rust attached to him. Of course, uh, not playing this week after a little niggle over the course of the week. Ross Lyon, I thought... Played that really well. But that, that back end of the year, in the last seven or eight weeks, where Max King can start to really get going, is going to be a big bonus for a team that at that time of year, you need that little extra to get you going. 100%. And as I said, it's almost like a racehorse in a 3,200-meter race that all of a sudden finds that extra gear that maybe you didn't know it had, and then all of a sudden it just extends and kicks away. And just also the balance of adding these core senior players in at the right times um, and, and getting them into that mix to make sure that you get the balance right will be key. But I tell you what, it's, it's been such a great job for our young blokes and super impressive. And as I said, once we get this core element of the senior players back, um, it'll be interesting to see what we're going to be able to do. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 um, it's a bit of a softer draw in the second half of the, the year until we get to sort of the last four or five rounds. So, as I said, these are these are the games, these are the those Ironstone games that you look back on and you go, that was the moment where we turned the corner. Um, so, as I said, hopefully we can get the four points and uh, and come away from Adelaide. And, and hopefully Carlton can get over the dogs on Saturday night. And it's a super weekend all around. <laughs> I hope the family smiling come Sunday night, however it happens, mate. Uh, thanks for the call. No worries. Thanks, Deb. All right. Aaron in Sky goes into the uh, the prize pool when it comes to the donuts, the La Cabra voucher, $50 for the goat of Melbourne Mexican food. And, of course, a double pass to see Cripper and Doherty at the Manhattan Hotel on the 15th of May. All thanks to Authentic Autographs and Events, number one for collectors of any sport. If you are just joining us, it has been a, uh, a very big night. We continually wait the tribunal decision. Tom McDonald's an emergency right now for the Melbourne Football Club. Van Royen does, in fact, have it up 
held. I don't want to spend a great deal of time on the tribunal. We'll check in the moment there is a decision and there's been so much made of it all week. What I will say is that the murkiness and the confusion and the up and down traditionally between the MRO and the tribunal and then the fact that we continually feels like we're going to appeal is just not good for any sport. I understand exactly why Melbourne are doing what they are doing and the AFL, I understand why the AFL are trying to do what they are doing because when it comes to duty of care, they are looking at a billion-dollar lawsuit possibly over concussion, what has happened in previous generations, which they do a lot better now. So it is a very murky situation. Do I think Van Ruin should be suspended? No, I do not. But I also understand that for the first time in a little while, the MRO and the tribunal actually had the exact same feeling. I I feel they've been too far apart at different times. And that's even more confusing. 1-300-736-736 to get involved. The ins and outs, if you are just joining us. Essendon. Oh, I had a little lower this week against Brisbane, mainly because there's no Ridley concussion. No surprise, unfortunately. Darcy Parrish with a calf is a concern. He's out and Jay Kelly's out as well. Ben Cunnington's been omitted as North Melbourne take on Port Adelaide. That should be in Melbourne. Off the temper text. North can't pull 30K against Melbourne side. You're dreaming if you think Port will get that many. I probably am. Absolutely understand where that text is coming from. What I am saying is that when you have a team like North Melbourne, and it's not just North Melbourne. You know, North Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs, St Kilda, these lower-drawing clubs at certain times over, we'll say, the last decade, you've got to find when there's a tiny bit of marketing genius to be added to it, you've got to use it. So you're right. North Melbourne may not have got 30,000 against Port Adelaide. But they had something to cling to. They had something to promote, something to market, something to talk about. They might have actually had a a casual North Melbourne fan who may have something else on or was trying to decide to go to the game. North Melbourne don't have a great deal of things that right now, like Harry Sheasel, great. Great. Davis Uniac, great. I love Larky. Zerha, there's some pieces there, but... In AFL, there's very few players that actually get people through the gate. So you've got to cling on other things. And this is one of the minimal things in this particular year that North Melbourne have was going up against Horn Francis. So you're right, 30,000, I might be dreaming. But they would have definitely got more in Melbourne on the back of this conversation than they're going to get down in Tassie. Cam, they need to televise tribunal hearings with no Thursday night footy. Steve. I, I don't think you realise how excruciatingly boring this would be. Like, I, 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 I understand the idea behind it and we're looking for things to do. But absolutely. Steve, we're, are, we, are we four hours in yet, Benny? What time did this thing start? We're nearly four hours in to this. Just gone three. Did it start at five? Mate, I don't know anyone who could sit there for three hours. There's journalists covering it who are as bored as all hell. Now, it is huge for the fabric of the game in the eyes of some, but I'm, I'm with you a little bit. I understand there's a great deal of needed for a, uh, honestly, a Thursday night, but there's no chance anyone's sitting there watching that for three hours. Jeff says Geelong almost dominated Crows with a kick straight. I, 
I don't disagree with any of that, Jeff. They were really good last week, Geelong. My point about Adelaide was that Isaac Rankin had a shot for goal that he should have kicked. And then there should have been a free kick in the goal square holding the Crows player. But in the end, they fell out of steam and then on the other end, the Cats kicked a couple of goals and that's why they won by... That game would have changed dramatically, I think, had Rankin have kicked that goal late in the fourth quarter. But yes, Geelong are better than Adelaide right now. They have had their opportunities, Adelaide. They blew it against Collingwood. They're not the first and they won't be the last to get overrun by the Pies in a fourth quarter. But they've gone Collingwood into Geelong. Now they've got to stand up at home against a team in St Kilda who's knocking on the same door. What annoys you, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What annoys you in footy or sport that shouldn't? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Like what, something that annoys you that you think to yourself, why do I get caught up on this? Why does this annoy me? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Legitimately, legitimately, the whole. You're getting a stat from a kick in. I was having the conversation today and it annoys me and I don't know why. Like, I'm not a stats guy. I don't play super coach or any fantasy AFL. I don't bet on football. one 736 736 What annoys you in footy and sport and you think to yourself, it's ridiculous that this thing gets me a little bit angry. I'm going to get to your calls. Power rank the games. I'll get back to them. I'm going to give you an idea and a suggestion to the AFL that is most obvious thing that they possibly should have done a decade ago and plenty more. Sporting Capital, we're warming up for the weekend. So weekend warm-up, part of the Sporting Capital. Cam Luke here for your Thursday night. A try apiece in the NRL. The Storm went over first, Broncos secondly, so we're tied at six on a 13-degree day. In Melbourne. Well, night as it is now. one 736 The Harcourts open line is open for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. Power ranking the games. They're out there. By far the best game is Saturday night. And by far, I mean a long, long way. But Adelaide St Kilda for me has my interest. Tomorrow night is interesting. I want to give some thoughts on Richmond because I think Geelong will win. I don't think Richmond can do a great deal of damage from a deep in September point of view, and I probably highly doubt once they lose tomorrow night, as I think they will, that they can do a great deal. But, but I think that they've done enough where the future looks rosy. I'll get to that very shortly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 So uh, I had a conversation today, and it really ended up about kicking in from behinds, and how it's a stat. A lot's been made of it. And it annoys me, and I don't know why. And I put my hand up and say that it is petty by me because I don't play fantasy football. I'm not a stats guy. And what do you want the AFL, or what do I want the AFL to actually do? So what I want you to do is one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Things in sport or in footy that annoy you that, that really shouldn't. So off the text, what annoys me is following Carlton 30 years of nothing. See, I understand why that annoys you. That, that's a legitimate... Thing. I understand. What annoys me in sport, says Dozer, is groaning and moaning in tennis. But you can mute it, to be fair. You're right. So what annoys you when it shouldn't? What annoys you when you say to yourself, this is, actually, this is ridiculous. Why am I annoyed about this? Uh, Justin's in Caulfield. Justin, on a Thursday night, hello to you. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey
How's it going? Good, my man. What do you got for me? Um, basically, in between goals, right, you're at VRG, a massive game at VRG. Your team scores a goal, the crowd is going nuts, and then they play a song. <laughs> and it drowns out the, the crowd. crowd noise completely. Atmospheric completely pings uh, from the game. The American the Americanization, I think, of our sport is something that annoys me. I'm not sure if it should or should not to keep here your uh, thoughts as well. Yeah, I, look, I, I like the big crowd roar. I, I'm not a huge, I'm not a monstrous footy music person. I, I think music is also better in a in an indoor stadium for for a smaller, more intimate type of situation for those sports. I, I think a lot of the music is based on when you talk about Americanizing and I guess the NBA in particular. You know, I guess at Marvel, but like that's another thing, right? I think it was Fremantle, and they may still do this. You know, fireworks in the day, like. Like we, 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 this doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it annoys me and it shouldn't. And I don't, I'm, I'm all for fireworks. I just am sometimes thinking, why are we doing certain things in fireworks in the day? Another thing that annoys me is that I can't think of another sport in the world that does this. And I'm legit, I'm probably missing one right now. But legitimately, is there a sport that when you're sitting at home watching it on the couch, you know how long is left? Yet in the actual arena, you've got no idea because they have a count-up clock. So they have two separate clocks depending on where you're watching the game. And then the LED at the MCG or at the ground pops up with the time remaining. Just randomly every now and then as part of a commercial agreement. Now, I don't know why that annoys me. I'm just like, well, hang on. If I sit at home, I know exactly how long is left. And it changes the way that I view. Yeah, you're in the ground. You've got no idea. And then we've got interchange handing out weird signs as these players try to work it out and change their strategy based on the clock, which they got no idea about. Simon, Morvan, hello to you, Simon. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. Hang on, I'll take a... What annoys me is mm-hmm. the big call of ball, and I love it. It's <laughs> part of the game, the ball, and yes, if you're following that team. You go to a neutral game and you watch everybody else yell out, ball, and you think, what are you clowns talking about? <laughs> but if I was them, I'd be yelling exactly the same thing. <laughs> it, it, you know what? Yeah, look, it's 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 amazing because these are the little things that you sometimes you think, yeah, it's annoying. And then you think, well, hang on, I understand exactly why. And then you also understand why it actually makes no different. Ball, as you're right, Simon, the fact is for 150-odd years at all levels, not just – at the AFL level, but at all levels of football, even at juniors every now and then, there is a collective roar at some point, in fact, numerous times in a game, that there's ball. And I think it's something that brings many people together. I also do like the fact that, you know, people will, uh, you know, yell ball and sometimes the holding the ball rule and the way it's adjudicated has been a little bit confusing at different times, and I think that's more on the AFL than the actual umpiring. But uh, you know, someone will yell out ball in full force when their team is tackled. Yet when it's the other way, they're happy to argue it and the very fact that it shouldn't be holding the ball, even though it's an identical situation. Uh, Jackson's in Essendon. I, I, I think I'm with Jackson. I think I know what he's going to talk about. Jacko, what do you got for me? Oh, have I got you, Jacko? We're a little phone bug. Have I got you? Yeah, yeah. I've got you, mate. Fire away. Beautiful. I know this shouldn't annoy me, but it does. And it's 
the fact that the, the touch of the ball rule, when it's a marking contest, you could have about five hands touch the thing before the guy that ultimately marks the ball, mm-hmm. and it's still paid a mark. But when a guy's having a shot on goal, maybe it's in play and he has a snap, a fingertip or a fingernail just scraping the lace of a ball, and that's a point. I don't know why that annoys me, but it's weird. So, Jacko, I'm with you because I had this conversation a couple of weekends ago, and the fact is that if you're on the half-back line and you kick a pill 55 metres and it gets fingernailed off your boot, the goal line, not the goal line, by the boundary, the field umpire, I'll get it right, the field umpire is like play on, play on, play on, right? And then... Uh, you can't mark it, even if the ball goes 55 metres. But as you just pointed out, it can go inside 50 and eight hands can go up and the yeah. person just grabs it the most. So I uh, I find it interesting in that part. But yeah. it's also good for the game that they allow, I think, the mark to stand inside 50 because that's how we traditionally see the high-flying marks. There is sense in it, and I, under, and I appreciate that. But just the, the inconsistency, it does something to me. I don't know. But, no, it is good for the game. Agreed. Hey, Jacko, appreciate it, mate. Who do you break for? Don supporter. How do you think you'll go? Uh, oh, look, I, I'm pretty I, – I like to think I'm realistic. I don't think we'll – I don't think we'll get the chockies this weekend. But I think after that, we've got to run – where um, we might be able to snag a few if we if we hold the form that we've had in the last couple of weeks. It's just the injuries that might be going to get you, right? Yeah, Darcy. Yeah, I just mm. I only just tuned in and saw that. So yeah, he um he does a lot of work in the midfield, extracts it, feeds it out to the other guys. So someone's going to have to step up and fill that role. Not sure who it'll be yet. Mm, big game, big game. Thank you, buddy. Mm, cheers. Jackson and Essendon, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Getting a great deal off the temper text of things that actually annoy you. I'm trying to get to things that annoy you that that really shouldn't. NBA coverage of the finals with the shot distance pop up for every three point shot just annoys the hell out of me. It is interesting when things pop up on your TV screen when you're watching sport that you don't necessarily have been accustomed to. The NBA have done and different telecasts and different companies do it different ways. Robin Berry, he says, corn annoys him. <laughs> corn. Well, if it annoys you, Rob, don't eat it. Or do you mean cane corns? And if you do, keep listening. He's on fire, Kano, at the moment. He'll be back for Fireball Friday tomorrow. Commentator saying, defense instead of defense. <laughs> I want things that annoy you that really shouldn't. One three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved. There are a few people actually saying off the temper text that they would, in fact, they would actually watch the tribunal. I, I, I don't want to call you liars because I absolutely, genuinely, one hundred percent believe that you believe right at this very moment you would watch the tribunal. But we are into hour number four here of the tribunal. Legitimately, hour number. And you would have to be one of the most dedicated... You'd have to be a lawyer. You would have to be a lawyer to watch every single second of the AFL tribunal, I think. Four hours. We haven't got a result yet. We don't know if the young gun's still playing for Melbourne this weekend against the Hawks, but it just felt from Simon Goodwin's comments that they're standing up for the good of the game more so the desperate need to play him this week. Although, 
He's most certainly been in their best 22, although he's been a little up and down at different times. Andrew's in Sydney on 1300 736 736. The Harcourt's open line is yours, Andrew. How you going, Cam? Good, buddy. Join the SEN app, driving from Coffs Harbour to Sydney, so it's mm. been good. Beautiful part of the world, um, both of them. <laughs> um, yeah, what's upsetting me, mate, since the four umpires are coming, the actual umpires actually don't measure out the 50-metre penalty now. So they actually send it up to the next umpire. So they actually don't measure out the 50-metre. 50, 50 so 150 could be 40 metres, next minute could be 80 metres. They actually don't run back and actually measure out the 50-metre penalty. I don't know if that's, that's getting to me. What, what actually makes it a, uh, a little more interesting there as well is that I, the, the, the perpetrator who gives away the 50-metre yeah. penalty I've noticed in recent weeks hasn't been overly keen to run with the, the player with the ball because there's the sometimes unfortunate situation where they give away another 50 by running too close to the man on the mark or they don't get to the mark correctly. So it's easier. And I think teams have sort of said, all right, so if you give away a 50 in the halfback flank and then the, boy, the, yeah. the guy or girl with the ball, in this particular case, and the guy is going up the ground, then it's sort of just yeah. where the person on the mark next meets them because with the stand rule, they just keep running. Yeah. It is a 50-metre penalty can turn into maybe 70 or 70. It can almost lead into 120-metre positive gain for your team if it's done in a certain way. And I think that's not overly great for the game. Yeah, correct. And how do they actually measure it out? Are they actually using the 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 way the, the grass is mowing or...? Um, I, I, I yeah, think, I think I'm, they, I'm they used to, but I think that nowadays, I'd have to see every ground uh, side by side, but I... I think there's a fair bit of unevenness in some of the ground as well because some gets patched up. So I don't think it's as pristine as it would be, say, on you know on grand final day with the MCG. So uh, I think that used to be the way they go about it. Uh, I'm not as yep. sold in nowadays that they do get it 100% 50 metres on the mark. So that's not a bad point by you. Thanks, Cam. Andrew, appreciate it, man. Who do you brag for? Uh, the mighty Collingwood Football Club, mate. Okay. Uh, I've got you a little low in the power rankings of game this week. I think you'll beat the Giants, hence why I'm not overly amped for it. Yeah, I think we're going to miss Billy Frampton, though. I'm, yeah, I've just uh, I've been really impressed with Billy this year in the ruck. He's, um, he's exceeding my expectations of, uh, of, of what we got him when we, we drafted him, so... It's a bit of a loss this weekend, as a previous caller said. So. He, he, he is. I, I will say this, that uh, last year, at the end of last year, when into trade time, I was I was against the idea of trading Brody Grundy. I understand why Collingwood did it, because they wanted to bring McStay and yep. Frampton and Mitchell and Bobby Hill in, and they looked at it, uh, uh, Ruckman and this value compared to the total value of, of these other players and the way they fit into the team. I did not expect Billy Frampton to be, honestly, one of the three recruits of the year, and that's not a massive dramatisation. I think he's been brilliant and I think there's a legitimate chance, a legitimate chance that we'll be saying Billy Frampton, Premiership Ruckman at the end of the year. So while I still expect him to win, uh, I do understand that it is a bit of a loss. I also think it's... Uh, Billy's also important with our, our structure as well with the way Max Gorn and, and Grundy actually worked. I saw footage like this week on Fox Footy, how they... They really push forward into the forward line together. So, um, yeah, Melbourne's, yeah, it, it, we, we sort of need him in the back line as well to sort of get that matchup right. But um, hopefully exciting times to, in front of us, mate. Absolutely, mate. Enjoy Sydney. Yeah, thank you, mate. Just getting 
Thanks for taking my call. Anytime, Andrew in Sydney. And that's the SEN app and the power of it, of course. We have SEN Sydney 1170 that's doing a wonderful job. NRL, of course. Broncos 10, Storm 6 into the 31st minute. And I'm going to start to give prizes of the rate. one 736 So Daniel's dozen. That's 13 donuts. Anyone else craving donuts? Find your closest Daniel's Donuts at danielsdonuts.com.au. $50 La Cabra voucher, the GOAT. Of Melbourne Mexican food, La Cabra. I've got one of them to give away. And, of course, the Blues fans are a little quiet. But if you have the win on Saturday night, it'll make it even better to go see Cripper and Doherty at the Manhattan Hotel on the 15th of May, all thanks to authentic autographs and events, number one for collectors of any sport. The floor is yours. I don't want to go all Dwayne Midday Madness on it because, essentially... He owns it and he's the best in the business. But one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What are you most excited about? We talk so negatively, and I, at different times, like most people, dive into it. But let's talk about these nine games. Let's talk about what occasionally annoys you in sport, but it shouldn't. It should be water off your duck's back, and of course, plenty more on the weekend warm up in the sporting capital. All right, around Australia on a Thursday night. One three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved. Big weekend of footy. Kickstarts tomorrow night. A Friday night doubleheader. Do you like it? Do you like the doubleheader? Early game of the MCG, the Cats and the Tigers, at a time that a lot of people want. And then a game that I think Gold Coast just must go over and dominate. one 736 Daniels does, and I've got donuts to give away. A $50 La Cabra voucher. As well as a double pass to see Patrick Cripps. Sam Doherty at the Manhattan Hotel on the 15th of May. And, of course, we're talking about things that annoy you that really shouldn't in sport. Jackson Narrow Warren. Hello, Jack. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. That's good. I've got a couple of things. I guess the first one of things that annoy me that shouldn't, um, the boards that, the, that they hold up on the uh, boundary line, like the little radio man or whatever, that kind of just does my head in. I don't know why it does, but it drives me insane. Um, and then what excites me for this round, um, it's weird saying it, obviously, because I'm a Carlson supporter and we've been pretty bang on average this year. But I'm excited to see what our response against the Doggies on Saturday night will be. And then, obviously, I'm pretty excited to watch Bont do what Bont does. So that's, I guess, the thing that I'm looking forward to this weekend as well. So, it's, yeah, it's, see how we go. It's going to be a big one Saturday night, of course. The Western Bulldogs... I'm big on teams that win games ugly. And the Dogs have been winning. They were great against Fremantle. They weren't overly impressive against Hawthorne, but they won. And likewise, last week against the Giants, when in particular the Giants did challenge in the fourth quarter. And that's normally the the sign of a team that's building into something. They've got a a really nice list. And uh, the thing with Luke Beveridge for me is that they've never made the top four. So it's continually hard every single year to mount a consistent challenge for the flag. 2016 was incredible, 21 was outstanding, but I think you could argue that the fact that they fell out of the top four in the last round of 21 might have hurt them when the whips were cracking in the second half against Melbourne. It's a a big one because if the Dogs win, they legitimise the fact that they're doing the right things and all Carlton could break loose. But if Carlton are able to bounce back, it's a big sign of their maturing and the fact they've been able to amp themselves up for a big game against a team that many people believe can have a pretty good into the year. Jack, love the call, man. Good luck on Saturday night. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime. Adam's in sunshine on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 
736. What do you got, Adzi? Well, I just want to talk about um, just coaches as a whole. Uh, I feel like I feel like we're only ever looking at coaches who've been, you know, whether moved, sacked or moved on or whatever from another AFL club. We never really look, um, you know, to our state leagues, your VFL, your Waffle, your Sample, to actually find the next head coach of an AFL team. Is it? Is it a case of they're not experienced enough um, or, or do we not see state league coaches as talented enough to, to coach a, to be a head coach on AFL level? Or, I, mean, do you have to, I just find like if it's not a if it's not an AFL assistant coach who's, who's been in the system for 10 years, it's, um, it's, it's a coach who's been stood down or whatever it may be. There's a lot of AFL coaches or a lot of assistant coaches who have been in the system for a long time. So, uh, like, they, they bide their time. And, and if you're a state league level coach, the odds are, and I'll, I'll talk to VFL and, and more Melbourne-based, you know, Victorian-based, the, the fact is if you're a VFL head coach, the odds are that you've been a part of an AFL system at some point and you choose probably to be a VFL coach to get your own team and get you know, experience coaching your own team rather than being an assistant. I, if you think about it, are you, are you, a, are you a fan of sports around the world, Adam? Well, I am. Yeah. I, I see a lot of names. Um, it, like, you know, NBA and that sort of stuff, with their lower leagues, a lot of um, a lot of managers come up uh, and become an NBA coach or whether it's the NRL or whatever it may be. It, like, this, I think the soccer is the biggest one where you'll get like a Division Two manager all of a sudden become the, the English Premier League, um, you know, manager or, or whatever it may be. But I just don't see it in the AFL. Is, do you think it's because we're only restricted to Australia and not, you know, like other, well, a lot of other sports? I, look, the, the, world, the world game, you make a, a decent point on it. And what I will say, the NBA, you, you don't see a, a, a coach get a head coach in an NBA team without being an assistant coach or an associate head coach in the NBA. You don't, you don't see a guy go from, say, the NBL or the G League and become the NBA head coach. You don't see it happen in the NRL. You don't see somebody go from, you know, State League NRL or, you know, whatever it might be to be a head coach. It, does, it, it very World game's different. Absolutely, you see situations where you're the head coach of a particular team that might not be in, say, Premier League or in the top tier level in any particular country. So that does... Happen, but I don't think it's out of the realms. You know, I don't think it's irregular what happens in the AFL because I don't think it happens a great deal in any sport around the world. Yeah, I agree. But let's use Essendon as an example. They decided to go, and I know they had a board to, to select this, but they decided to go with a coach who was whether stood down or, or whatever it may be from North Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to go with him rather than using someone like a and Uze, who's been in the system, he's been a line coach or an assistant coach for a while, he's been through the ranks, and he's played at the highest level as well. Why not try and utilise that skill rather than someone who's been there, done that? Just almost like a bit of a like a refresher, because I feel like on, on one, you know, one instance, OK, Uze comes in, all of a sudden the club might be labelled as someone who's rebuilding. You know what I mean? Well, the, the thing, the, the, just just firstly on Brad Scott, he was a very successful coach at North Melbourne. I, I'm not saying that Adam Uze wouldn't have done a really good job, and they all went through the process, and that's what the board does. I, I'm not, I'm not surprised they went for Brad Scott due to the fact that they had Rutten prior to that, and and having a huge, 
not a throw of the stunts, but having a, a, a first-time coach as Adam Uze would have been would have maybe been a little risky. And I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying the fact that Brad Scott's gone there and they've been successful is probably an indication that they got it somewhat right straight off it. But I, I understand what you're saying, Adam. I just don't think it happens in world sport a great deal where a, a person will come from outside of the system to become a head coach straight away. Adam, stay right there. I'm going to throw you some da- uh, Daniel's Donuts. Benny Boy, grab him out the back. Uh, Andrew from Collingwood will be our last caller of the evening. Hello, buddy. Good evening, Cam. How are you? Very well, man. You got something that annoys you that shouldn't or just annoys you? Yeah, yeah, it just annoys me. I I know why, and obviously it's really Americanized, but I hate how every basketball game, the last minute or two minutes of every quarter, especially the last, goes for 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> it, 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 it does. It's obviously commercialized. Yeah, it, it, it can go for a... For a long time. And the, and the fact is, uh, a couple of people texted in earlier before as well that in the NBA, and it's when it's in the NBA or it's in a, any level at the highest level, there's always a situation that everyone else catches up on it. The fact is that they dribble the ball out and they're happy to turn it over, which, again, has the whistle blown and stops the, uh, stops the, stops the, uh, the clock. And then essentially you, you sort of move on. So, um, look... Uh, yes, I can see how the game can drag on. When it's close, I understand because there's timeouts galore, but when it's not, then it can be a little frustrating. I'm with you, Andrew. Thank you. Beautifully done. Uh, Steve from Packenham says, NBA and NFL regularly get coaches from college. Look, I'm not saying it has never happened, but who, who's the last? I'm trying to think of who the last NBA coach was. He went from a collegiate basketball to the NBA. I'm, I'm trying to think of who it is. It might have been Beeline who went from Michigan to Cleveland and lasted all of about three months. Um, oh, it has happened, Steve. Don't get me wrong, and it's a good text off the temper text. I'd, it doesn't happen in the NFL. Jeez, it famously happened at Jacksonville a couple of years ago. Didn't go that well, Urban Meyer. Next thing you know, he's at a college bar. <laughs> Things are, he's going, look, I, it does happen. But it doesn't happen with such regularity as it used to, and it certainly doesn't happen with a great deal of success in recent times. And absolutely, Steve, some of these NBA teams in particular throw pocket loads of cash at, say, a Coach K. Not now he's retired, but like it, it very rarely. If you look at the NBA coaches, and I have to look at all, all league right now, I don't know how many have gone from college to the NBA. We'll go to a break. Wherever you might be around the nation, get involved. We've got four minutes to take your call if you want to get something off your chest. one 736 736 Huge weekend ahead of us. Huge night still to go, though. John Stephenson will join me all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the House of Ats. In around 10 minutes' time, Ollie Hoare, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Olympian in Tokyo. He'll join us, have a quick chat as well. There's plenty more going on in the House of Athletics around 10 minutes away. A lot of people off the temper text. Ted Lasso did it. <laughs> Love it. What annoys me and shouldn't is why it's called the All-Australian Team. Why not the AFL Men's Team of the Year? That's something I've never thought about. David, who's in the West, but uh, yeah, I see your point. Absolutely. Uh, delivered out of bounds, it becomes an umpire lottery. Just throw it in. There we go. Um there is a lot to get into. We are sitting around waiting. We're nearly four hours into this thing. David Zeta from Fox Sports 
and Fox Footy about seven minutes ago tweeted, they're in, the verdict is nigh. And we spent all the last 90-odd minutes discussing if we're going to be able to get a resolution to this continual conversation, which started with two weeks, upheld, and now into the appeals. It's 10 each at Amy Park, the Storm and the Broncos, right now on Thursday Night Football. Does the Melbourne Storm try to find a little bit of form? Of course, last weekend was magic round, so Suncorp having a little break this weekend, at least in the Broncos. I'm not sure where the Dolphins play, but uh, I'm assuming they're having a little bit of a break. Farnworth got sin-binned in the 38th minute for the Broncos, so Storm trying to get back on top and trying to get... The job done. What a weekend of footy. Of course, it all starts tomorrow. Friday, yep, Fireball Friday. Kane Corns, David King. Into the captain's run with Sam Edmund. Midday Madness, Dwayne Russell to do his thing. And then tomorrow night, after Andy and Gazy, it's all about AFL Nation. Friday night, doubleheader. I like it. I really like the doubleheader. I know it's a late finish, but it also gives the opportunity possibly for, you know, the West Australian... South Australian, the non-Victorians that traditionally do get forgotten about on a regular basis when it comes to Friday night footy, the prime time slot. If we can find a way to make it work, I'll do a late night footy show on a Friday night, so tomorrow night we might see a, a different idea which I'll have because I won't get out of work until late, but I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Cats will beat the Tigers and the Gold Coast just have to go over. Just have to go over and beat the West. They have to beat the Eagles, continually stabilise what they are telling us they're doing, and that's going in the right direction. House of Ass, Chemist Warehouse, John Stephenson, the third-person self-congratulator of the year, Super State. Went bang last week and off the bench. Will he do it next? Let's find out together.